I'll tell you what, man. The Raiders, they're for real. Their car, they call them the backpack. Because he's carrying this Oakland team. Seven out of ten. Seven. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to Greenlight Episode 4. I am Chris. This is Macon. And I like social media people mixing it up a little bit when they do it right. I was into that video. That was Christian McCaffrey. A DB had a face full of dookie getting dragged through. I mean, he was just... He was getting dragged through, um, you know, the X Games. We saw him... Next to Slipping a on ice. water skiing squirrel. Really a big fan of that video, but when it's done right, I'm cool with it. Not a huge like artistic liberty guy when it comes to running. Also a scary job. I mean, like, I would rather be probably a shrimp boat captain, coal miner, deadliest catch type thing. Um, than be a social media guy. Usually these social media guys they're like they look like 23-year-old Lance Bass guys, and they're like t- the narcs of the internet. You know, like, hey, fellow kids, you see my red 100 emoji? Lit, fam. Yeah, I happen to know some people in charge of the official account for various teams. I think you'd be surprised by the demo. I think it runs the gamut. Really? And that's why we see good videos and just boring accounts that will give you. It's halftime. I'm not a big fan of the overreaches, though. That's my thing. Like, don't. That's a successful overreach. That was a successful overreach. There have been some other that weren't so successful. It reminded me of, I think it was 2014 or 2015. There was um, the Rockets social media guy got axed over a tweet. We have this tweet. Uh, For those of you listening, that is a (laughs) that is a horse emoji. And a revolver emoji pointed at the horse emoji. Shh, just close your eyes. It'll all be over soon. And they were playing the Mavericks. Yeah. And they were just closing out the season or, or the series, uh, which effectively, of course, ended the Mavericks season. And uh, this cat got fired. I saw it in real time. Like, it's one thing when you see a tweet make the news, but when you see it in real time, that's solid gold. Mentioned last week that I have warned a couple people that there was porn on their social media, um, whether it was a hyperlink or it was Rob Ninkovich's website being hacked last week um, by an Asian porn site. I have warned now two people 
one who I will not name, I will protect their identity, and two, last week, Rob Ninkovich, you're welcome. I'm like the police of the internet in a good way. Um, there were also a ton of slip-ups. We went looking, uh, and Macon hasn't seen these. We've curated some of the best corporate social slip-ups. Do we have a StubHub one right off the bat? Thank fuck it's Friday, I think is what. Can't wait to get out of this stub-sucking hellhole. <laughs> I thought you might like that one. That is good. Um, that is good. Uh, Soon-to-be-fired employee is a nice subset of, of the Twitterverse. You know, for all the times that people have DM'd me and asked me, hey, or texted me, know where I can find some tickets for this week's game that you're playing in? I want to send them directly to that StubHub employee. Yeah. Because every time what I do, and I got better at this late in my career, was I'd Google StubHub, the good folks at StubHub, a stub-sucking good time on that <laughs> website. <laughs> they would, there would be seats everywhere. And I'm like, why are you hitting me up, bro? Yeah. You got the Google machine. Yeah, I think the, uh, the thought there is that they're going to be sitting 50-yard line, maybe 12 rows up if they have the C-Long Connect. For the free 99, too. Right. Which is the key part. Usually when I send them back, you know, the t you know, what they don't realize is in the NFL, you buy your tickets. Like, if I have people come to the game, I'm paying a price at a premium, but it's still $50, $75, $100 a ticket, depending on where you play. And uh, what people are effectively asking me for is a gift. And it ain't Christmas. He also charged his friends throughout his career. I, did I charge at, at you? Times. Ah, look back at Didn't the charge you for that ACC tournament weekend. Never got the check for that hotel. Still waiting on a tickets on a paycheck for this gig. Oh, okay. We're only four episodes in. Most blue collar folks don't get paid every fucking episode, but Chrysler also had a tweet. Um, I find it ironic that Detroit is known as the motor hashtag Motor City. They had to, and yet no one here knows how to <laughs> fucking drive. This is in March of 2011, in the Stone Ages of Twitter. People still caught it. Even Detroit's social media brands have an edge to them. Used ironic correctly, thankfully. Yeah. That's difficult to do. I'm is getting, it? yeah. Everybody says something's ironic when it's merely coincidental. Really? Do they screw that up a lot? That's correct. I'm pretty thankful I don't do that. I, I screw up a lot of things. I'm getting the sense that if you put an F word into one of these, you're going to like it. I like, I just love the thought of seeing some disgruntled, Little Ed Sheeran looking dude. I have Lance Bass. You know, Lance Bass is the guy that wants the, the Lance Bass looking guy wants to use the word lit and fam and the red 100 emoji. The Ed Sheeran looking dude, he just wants to walk the fuck out of, out of work. Yeah. And this, this tweet is almost like, a, you know, take this job and shove it. Uh, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You're cool. I'm out. Yeah. Uh, and, and when you have your finger on the, the nuclear code, so to speak, from a front-facing corporation standpoint, that can happen just like that. And actually, the guy with the Rockets gig that lost it checked in on him. He, he does a podcast. Hmm. Uh, I would plug it, but I can't remember the name of it, and I'm being honest, I'm not being funny. I listened to it for a second or two. It was pretty good. It was like an NBA stats podcast. Good to see he's landed on his feet. 
by the way, they really do take horses out back and shoot them. I mean, that's what they do. Yeah. I mean, horse racing's fucked up, is it not? Yoshida? What'd they do with Yoshida after the race? Yoshida's alive and well. That Santa Anita track needs some looking into, though. Got you. Uh, air travel, they tend to be really sloppy with the social media. Uh, we have a Delta graphic here. To the untrained eye, congrats, Team USA. Nice goal, Clint Dempsey. Founders, USA, Ghana, USMNT, Delta. It's too many hashtags. And then a picture of the Statue of Liberty with the number two superimposed representing the score and a picture of a giraffe probably in Kenya or Tanzania and a one superimposed over that picture. There are no fucking giraffes in Ghana. I've already hit my quota for F words in the open. Um, I'm going to try to go the rest of the show without cussing. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But there's no giraffes in Ghana. Africa is not one big place where everything's the same. There are different countries. It's also massive. That is a massive continent. Have you ever seen it actually overlaid over North America or Asia? Those are my favorite kinds of maps. We're going to pull that in post, and we're going to show you how giant the continent of Africa is, which should lead you to believe that in the many countries, there is much biodiversity. There aren't giraffes walking around in Egypt. For some of you morons out there. Um, U.S. Air took a hard left turn, encountered some turbulence. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Jiminy Christmas. For the folks listening, would you like to describe this one? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's... You know when you when you tweet at um, <laughs> when you tweet it when you tweet at an airplane account that the robot talks back to you. Mm -hmm. So so what happened here? Do you want to tell me what happened? Nope. <laughs> so I'm not sure how it happened, but U.S. Airways retweeted a picture that is thankfully blurred out, but it wasn't. I don't think when it was posted of somebody lodging a miniature. 747 that you would buy in a Hudson News shop directly into the orifice in the front. Um, and I'm not talking about the mouth. I got it. Um, <laughs> it's probably the most reckless one of all time. Yeah. <laughs> that plane's going down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, I sit in the exit row all the time because I'm tall. And I had this realization this week. Not that tall. I'm pretty fucking tall. Taller than you. No, no. We'll get the, the tape measure out next week. Your hair gives you two inches. Uh, that mop gives you two inches. Um, by the way, good hair day. Thank you. Um, yeah. <laughs> that plane completely sidetracked me. I mean, that plane, you think the people on that plane are okay? <laughs> <laughs> Exit rows, though. I feel like I should get paid to sit in an exit row. First, it's like you're getting grilled in the back by customs it is what it feels like. The eye contact when they ask you if you're willing and able to assist is intimidating as fuck. I cussed again. Can we bleep that out from here on out? Intimidating as heck, the way they just stare at you. Are you willing and able? Of course I'm willing and able. Like, first off, if I'm being honest, I don't know how to work this door. 
So you're willing. I'm willing. I don't know if I'm able. Hopefully flight attendants don't listen to this pod. Secondly, well, secondly, I think I should be getting paid. Like, this is a big responsibility. You want me to save everybody's life, like in a Sully situation. I want money. Like, if I open that door and everybody makes it out alive, like, I need some compensation. And I need some compensation every time I sit in an exit row. I would need a lot of compensation if I was sitting on an exit row in that plane on that particular post. Don't they need a verbal response from you? A, a yes, I am prepared to do this? Yeah, I usually give that. Well, why don't you just say next time, I would need What's some it worth compensation. To you? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> You'd get your name in the paper. You'd yeah, be a I would. hero. I would. They'd probably drag me off the plane. I don't want to be in one of those videos. Um, there's one last post, or is there not? No, actually, yeah, run, run this post right here. This is a thing of beauty here. It's a, it's a prank I like to do when a teammate or a verified account complains about an airline and adds them as if anybody cares. This is Fletcher Cox. Two, fl two flights, two delays at Delta. I'm, I'm need something besides a survey after this flight. Three red-faced emojis. So, of course, I changed my profile picture to the Delta emblem. I changed my header and I changed my name to Delta. And I say, Fletcher, we don't give a shit. Grab some extra pretzels and sit tight. And of course, people were angry at Delta within minutes. You're a lot of things. Funny is one of them. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's good stuff. Thank you. Very creative and it's easy to do. Don't try it at home. You need a blue check to do it. Um, love playing pranks. Love, love, love. Uh, a few updates this week. Had the same driver this week back home from Thursday Night Football, which we'll get into in a minute. Um, he asked me how the snakes and spiders thing went in his British accent. Talked, so, talked for much of the drive. So he didn't watch. No, he's not. Evidently, he's not a friend of the program, which is okay. So I can continue to talk about my driver. He asked me, and of course, this is the driver who, who, who offered a stake in his new company. Of course, I can tell you what the concept is, NDA and all that. Um, he asked me, when would you like me to contact you? Would it be at half a million in profits or a million in profits via email? And you said? I said, yeah, just somewhere in there in the million range <laughs> would be good. If you get to, if you, if, and I think it's a good idea. I just, my plate's a little full right now. And, he, and driver, if you do happen to listen to the pod, I, I did ask for the idea. Just yes, in confidentiality, tell me. In confidence, I'd like that back. Damn. In confidence. Chris, as your friend, tell me. In confidentiality. Tell me Actually, the idea, what the idea is. And, you, and, and Chris did not tell me. The idea is an interactive dictionary that you can read and get better at the English language. Um, but honestly, he also shed some light on uh, the table tennis world. He said he was all county in England uh, at table tennis, which is better than all county in the States, obviously. The counties are big. Um, he also told me that a table tennis ball can travel at speeds of 120 miles an hour. Mm. And that in, in the non sequitur of the entire four and a half ride after a two minute silence, he said, Egyptians are taking over squash. I don't doubt it. Sounds about right. Yeah. If yeah, he's not making something like that up. No, I don't think so. Uh, more updates would be that crystal city restaurant, obviously the 
the restaurant gentlemen's club where the performers dance over a nice plate of shrimp tempura, mahi-mahi, eel, squid. Um, it's still open. We can make the trip. I thought it was closed. You're not interested? So I hope you guys will welcome me with, with open arms. Uh, I'd love to do a feature up there. If you're willing, I'd love to come to Crystal City Restaurant or whatever it's called now and dine in. Of course, after we sort of slandered them in episode one, maybe somebody could watch them cook the food to make sure they're not poisoning me. Um, also, the black cat is still on the loose at the Meadowlands or MetLife. Yeah. Um, hope he's doing all right. And then somebody pointed out that the old vet was the, the stray cat capital of the world. They said they'd be having meetings. This is inside baseball here. Not many people know this, but they'd be having meetings. There'd be fucking freaking stray cats falling from the plastic ceilings, styrofoam ceilings, just like you'd be having a board meeting and a cat would fall on the conference table. Yeah, or the magistrate would be. Yeah, because there was a lot of, there was the jail. I've, I've never heard that. Jail, yeah. Did they, was there a Santa thing too? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, are you superstitious? A little bit. I mean, the Giants are two and seven. Is the black cat going to be blamed for three and 13? No, maybe not three and 13, but within that game, I think the black cat harnessed enough energy to completely sink their chances in that game. Okay. And Demarcus Lawrence, uh, he backed me up on that. Did you, say, did you say you were a little bit superstitious? A little bit. So you're not superstitious, you're a little stitious? <laughs> Shout out Michael Scott. Ah, I'm back. Love the office. Yeah, he, he butchered a, a word earlier, but he did remember an office line. Um, also, uniforms last night. What did you think of those? Pleasing. Here's my issue, though. If you're Oakland, and maybe this has been documented, why do you go white at home and allow the Chargers to wear the beautiful powder blues? Why Be not wear your black unis? Because the white just looked... The white at night in Oakland... Under the light. Under the light is a beautiful thing. Sight. You it just had the perfect sight. rhyme it was, it was on a, a platter. Sight. It was a beautiful sight. On the game, uh, Rivers coming in historically had been absolutely dominant in the Coliseum. Second in the league among all quarterbacks, including the Raiders, in wins at the Coliseum and in touchdown passes. Uh, that includes, of course, Raiders quarterbacks, as I said. Derek Carr's first. 26-24, uh, the game ended up. Huge win for the Raiders. They're in it. They've won a bunch of games here lately. They're making a push. Six straight games with 24, point, 24 points or more. That's tied for the franchise record. And the other teams that did it, they all made the playoffs. All three of them. A lot of Mayock, Gruden, cold takes, and I love it. I want them all pulled up. If you're listening to, that, to this uh, pod, please, please send them my way because I'm, I'm a big fan of Gruden, and I'm, I'm an even bigger fan of Mayock, and Mayock has paid dividends right off the bat. You know, again, they're a game out of first place in the AFC West. Don't think they win the division, but they're building something. I don't think anybody expected them to be here now. The rookies are a big part of it. Jacobs has been, obviously, historically good. Farrell, who's taken a lot of flack, and pass rushers on, you know, on the rookie deals, they take a little bit to develop sometimes. So Farrell had two and a half last night. 
He played well. Uh, they obviously have Crosby as well, WDE, doing his thing on a weekly basis, half a sack last night, and then Renfro continues to get targeted at a high rate. Derek Carr is having a great season, completing over 70% of his passes. Uh, and like, look no further than two weeks ago when people were taking away Waller and they're playing Detroit in a big game. He hit six different receivers for over 20-yard gains. I mean, that's, that's spreading the ball out, and that's being the guy we thought he was in Oakland. You got to be excited about it if you're Raiders fans. You also got to be bummed they're leaving. We'll get to that in a second. One of the last games of the Coliseum. Really sad. But Derek Carr, 18th fourth, fourth quarter comeback since his career started. Uh, that is a record in quarterbacks in their first six years. So I don't know what you make of that stat. Wild. Clutch Gene is alive and well. I didn't expect to read that. Um, but I think a big key for him is he has more help this year. Jacobs, it starts with him. He takes the least amount of negative plays in the league. Coming into last night, he didn't take a single negative play all year. They keep the chains moving. They keep him in third and manageable. The Raiders are second in the league, I think it was, in third down. Uh, but when they get to third and long, they're very mediocre. So the Jacobs addition, along with pickups like Brown and your friend Incognito. Richie Incognito ripped my polo shirt at a Kenny Chesney concert one time, and I don't think any other context is needed. Moving on. I was there. Uh, Bengals and Jets up next for the Raiders could be 7-4. and four. They could be. They have the second easiest schedule and win-loss total the rest of the way. Uh, obviously, we'll get to Coliseum memories. It was sad. I had just met Incognito. Who greets somebody by by a hug, a hold, a hold up, mm -hmm. and then you rip a guy's shirt you just met? Yeah, I can't really, I can't really apologize or justify much of my my man's behavior. Concert was fun. The concert was solid. We met Kenny Chesney after. Yeah, really nice guy. Yes. Your, yes. Your fantasy team is usually called the Kenny Chesneys. Yeah, we went in a different direction this year. Um, but yeah, KC, best recording artist of our time. Maybe we can talk about that uh, on another pod. Hey, Ballpark, you might have been in the whip with your driver when this was going on. Ballpark, how many times did you line up in the neutral zone in your career? Do you know this? No. And uh, how, how easy or difficult is that to do? I don't know the that I... did it on roughly three plays in a row almost. Some guys don't see well, and I'm not even being funny. Some guys don't understand that your hands are not necessarily where your dome is. Mm -hmm. Your dome is going to be out ahead of your hands a lot, depending on your stance. I was definitely under three for my career. Now, I jumped off sides a bit. Yeah. I used, to, I used to love to jump to count. There were three and one drive, I believe. Not good. Lined up in neutral zone. So, so it's not all bad for the Chargers. Um, listen, they might be dead in the water this year. This loss really hurts. Usually you think they're going to turn it on. Uh, Gordon looks like he's come alive again. Got his feet under him, a hundred yards. Um, you know they've rushed well lately, and with the new OC, they've taken advantage of no huddle, some checks. They've taken advantage of shotgun runs. You know, two weeks ago when the run game came alive, thirty-eight runs, twenty-two out of shotgun. That's a lot. They got Okung back, but obviously he left again last night. So. There's hope with the OC. There's been talk about them moving. There's rumors that that's an effort to leverage other teams showing their hand, like the Jaguars. 
hearing that there's another team in the mix, they have to force Shad Khan's hand. Um, I don't know what's going on with that. We'll ask Hardwick in a minute. My buddy, Nick Hardwick, who climbed Killy with me and was, of course, a longtime stud for the Chargers. We'll see if there is hope. He's still very plugged in uh, in L.A. and San Diego. And now welcoming to Greenlight, a good friend of mine, somebody I shared a lot of uncomfortable days on the mountain with uh, at, at Kilimanjaro. Longtime Charger, Nick Hardwick. Got a new podcast coming out called Finding Center. Also, you can catch him on Extra 1360. Nick, how are we doing? You get any sleep? Chris, yeah, of course I got a little bit of sleep. Enough. It's Friday. Let's do this thing. Let's do this. You're a psychopath because it is 6.30 a.m. You're already in your car. You're on the way to do radio and all that good stuff to parse the loss last night. You said off off screen that you don't get down off these losses like you did when you were a player. No, I used to really, they used to hurt me, of course, when I was a player, but then even when I was covering the team really closely as a field reporter my first year out, the next two years I was the color analyst. And when they were here in San Diego, it used to hurt so much worse. And now it doesn't have that sting. It's more transactional. I don't know a whole lot of guys personally on the team any longer, just a handful of them that I really know and cheer for hard. So it doesn't quite hurt as bad, but I have to say last night was a little emotional for me, just knowing it was going to be the last game in Oakland, Alameda County Coliseum or whatever they're calling that thing now. And all the great memories I had there and knowing it was Philip Rivers last go around there and the Chargers last go around against the Raiders and how many epic battles we had. So coming into the game, it was a little emotional. And then the way that thing transpired, it hurt. That one did hurt a little bit. Yeah, I could imagine. And obviously a, a big win for the Raiders who seem to be trending the other way a little bit. You mentioned those stadiums. I always get sad that these dinosaur stadiums that we were talking about, uh, they, they age so fast. I mean, it felt like yesterday they put them all in out on the West Coast. Now they're going by the wayside. Do you have like a – these young kids that don't get it now, they're going to they're gonna grow up playing these state-of-the-art stadiums do you have a memory at one of these at one of these joints? I should call them joints. They're not stadiums. Oh my god, so many of them. I mean, for me personally, the Black Hole was just one of the greatest places to play. Just because the fans there, the Raider fans, of course as a player you hate them, but then I really learned to appreciate them for what they were and the role that they played in this whole act. I mean, they they did it fantastically. They would show up early. We'd be doing quarterback center exchange. River and I, Rivers and I, 15 minutes before the other offensive linemen came out and joined us for our warmups. And I remember the heckling sessions that we used to have. And I, my theme to them was always, hey, just make sure you're at my house on Tuesday to pick up my trash. You guys have a great, <laughs> oh my God. Have, a, have a great, have a great time here tonight. We hope you enjoy it. We're going to beat your butts, but don't be late to pick up my trash. It stinks after 9 a.m. I was going to, I was going to say like, what do these folks do when they go home? Are they like insurance salesmen in there? And <laughs> I don't know. Like you, a grown man in face paint. To me, that is just. It's, it's only baffling. acceptable in the black hole. What happens in the black hole stays in the black oh. hole. And speaking. It's so much fun. I mean, even there, like have an ice cube perform live. And oh, yeah. you could just, you could just imagine how much marijuana is being smoked in the stadium itself. And people are having a blast. It was like. It was like a concert, and I just I thoroughly enjoyed it. It sounds like a fun place. Uh, I might have to check it out before they close it down. <laughs> Rivers, who who played in his last game in, in that stadium last night, 
has owned that place since 06. Uh, second yeah. among all quarterbacks, in, including Raiders quarterbacks, in wins and and uh, touchdown passes. Wow. How, many, how many more years can he go? Can he go another one or two? He's going to have to have a little bit more armament around him and have to have some supporting pieces. As you saw last night, without an offensive line, I don't care what quarterback you have back there. It's just not going to be that successful. And then you got Keenan Allen, who seems to be hobbled up still with a hamstring. He's not really getting as open as he was. Mike Williams has kind of been up and down on the active and inactive list with some injuries that he's battling himself. And then you had a couple of receivers out there who were active on the fourth preseason game, didn't make the active roster, get called up for this one. And it's kind of what you get. I mean, it's a mixed bag. You'll have some good performances, some good plays. And then overall, though, I mean, it was not a good showing for Rivers and company at all. The offensive line couldn't protect him. Missing Russell Okun once again with the groin left the game. Missing the right tackle, Sam Tevy. So now you've got like three and four tackles in there, which when you're coming into the game with an offensive line that looks like they may be fit for a fourth preseason game, but not a primetime Thursday yeah. night football game in Oakland, it's going to be quite the challenge. I mean, they really did make the Oakland Raiders defensive line look outstanding, and I don't think any offensive line has made them look that good yet. No, uh, I, I mean, and you mentioned it. I saw a bunch of plays where Phil has to short arm things, his arms getting hit on the back of a tackle, shoulder pads. I mean, they gave that O-line life that you mentioned hasn't been really that lethal all year long. Mm -hmm. Farrell, the first rounder, had two and a half sacks. Uh, and you mentioned Okung, who's who's really infused them on the left side with stability since he came back in the run game and the pass game is out. Yes. But you mentioned another guy, Mike Williams, who, and this might be an indicator of hopefully good things to come, passes the century mark for the first time in his career last week with Shane coming in and calling the plays. A lot right. more shotgun runs, a lot more production on the ground the last two weeks. Things seem to be clicking. Is that a positive thing in the future for this offense? Yeah, it's they're spreading it out a little bit. I think they're working more up-tempo. I do like the mind of Shane Steichen. I've liked him. He's been there since 2011. So seven of the eight years that he's been in the NFL, he has been with the Chargers. He did a year of hard time with the Cleveland Browns. Before hard coming time. Hey, listen, I did a bid in the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's some rough time right there. But he's a real bright mind. He's a UNLV quarterback. Just didn't really have the physical tools necessary to be an NFL quarterback. And so he's really parlaying that. I think he's going to be one of the young, bright minds coming up in this league. It just, it, it kind of, when I'm watching their team right now, they don't have the necessary horses and they don't have the necessary health to be a competitive football team until perhaps Okun comes back and can stay back. You remember he was out early in this season and for a big majority of it, I think six games with pulmonary embolism. So his health was always in question this year. And when he was out, the performance of the offensive line was always in question. And when that happens, you just get these really up and down kind of sporadic performances. But I do think Shane infuses them with some creativity, with some freshness. And I think he's just at his age a little bit faster mentally right now than Wizen Hunt was at the end of his time. Well, and yeah, there's something with these older coaches that even if they're trying to be cutting edge, they don't come up in this new adaptive, you know, right. mindset that these young offensive coaches are kind of taking the lead by st storm are coming up in. And 
I guess I wonder the one thing is a lot of these coaches being younger than the quarterbacks that they're working with or, uh, you know, obviously having less of a reputation. Does he take shit from Phil? <laughs> I'm sure he does, but they are really close and they have been really close. Good. And even when Wiz was there, you would see Rivers come off the, the field and he would go immediately to Shane Steichen and he wouldn't go directly to Ken Wisenhuz. So I think that really spoke volumes. And, and you're right about these older coordinators. I mean, think about like the great guitarists that you know. You know their riffs mm-hmm. and you don't even have to know the song, but you can hear their solo that mm-hmm. they're playing. Mm-hmm. It, they have a, sing- a signature fingerprint that they put on everything. And, and usually these coordinators kind of come back to that signature fingerprint as well when they're calling plays. So they kind of get stuck into ruts. And it's, I, it's exactly I do feel like, like line play. I mean, you owe linemen, you get tired in the third and fourth quarter, you go back to what you know. And yes. that's a great metaphor. Speaking of, speaking of fatigue, I mentioned it earlier, we shared a lot of fatigue on the mountain. Uh, Nick, for those out there listening that don't know, we climbed Mount Kilimanjaro together. He joined me for part of my uh, Conquering Kili initiative bringing vets and players together to, to scale a 19,500-foot mountain. What could go wrong? A lot of farts, a <laughs> lot of uh, lactic acid, not a lot of good A lot of snoring. A lot of snoring. Uh, a lot of snoring from my tent in particular. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like if if our cohorts are out there that are listening to this, I apologize for ruining <laughs> some of your night's sleep, but I have to tell you, I got a fabulous night's sleep on that mountainside. Did you really? So, yeah, so, I did. Yeah. So what was the hardest part of that? I think the most challenging part was after we had reached the summit, coming back down. I didn't have much water left in in my system and wasn't carrying much. And I just started getting this pounding headache. And I'm sure that was could be attributed to the altitude as well. Maybe. I know you were you <laughs> we were, dealing were both with that. struggling. Oh God. I mean, everybody was at the end of that thing. That's a that's a long, slow slog on yeah. that last night. But I, I do it was one of the greatest memories that I have in my life. I mean, having Ivan Castro, who is completely blind, optic nerve severed, and having him really at my back for the entire climb up on summit night and then on the way down, running down that mountain with him. What a memory that I'll never be able to, re- I'll, I'll never forget it. Well, I mean, well, it was just who, who it was so powerful. Who would have thought that you and Castillo, all those years battling it out in practice, would have been on a, you know, on the roof of Africa with, with a guy like Ivan. And, and when Freddie, who full disclosure, uh, had to turn around, Freddie is Ivan's best buddy. He's special forces. He's a badass. He's a marathon, ultra marathon oh, guy. Oh, he runs like 100-mile marathons. With when Ivan. we get up to 16,000 feet, and this is kind of Ivan's roll dog, and, and they don't go anywhere without each other, Freddie starts coughing up blood. And, you know, he's struggling. This is a guy that he doesn't – he's not going to bullshit you. I mean, he's not going to fake it. This guy's struggling. He's got to turn around. Oh, yeah. And he, I remember him looking at you and, and Luis and saying – you got this guy. And you're like, yeah. And he's like, no, I mean, do you have this guy? Because when <laughs> I hand you off, Ivan, this is different than on a football field. And it was, and it was cool seeing you guys lead him, you know, alongside slopes that are 300 feet sheer drops. And oh, you've yeah. got to tell him left foot, right foot. Oh, it's just wild. And we came up with our own little language to tell him when a rock was coming up rock. on his knee or his ankle high, <laughs> yeah. like ankle biter. Uh-huh. You got a knee, bu- knee buster here on your left. And just coming up with our own form of communication so quickly to be able to get him up and down that mountain. It, and what a joy that dude is. He's amazing. I mean, he kept the whole just, group together. 
Oh, the entire time. He's just so light and so funny. And everybody that passed him on the trail and a lot of people had no idea that he was blind. No idea. They thought he had cool sunglasses. They're like, this dude's just out here crazy. And they're like, he's just, (laughs) he's just walking at night with sunglasses. I, I remember we passed a group and I don't know where they were from, but he was sharing a story that he was completely blind. And we were on our way back down and I just started crying right there. I was like, oh my God. It, and it hit me that I had been walking around up on 19,000 feet with a guy who was completely blind and we have no excuses. And, and all no our limits. complaints are invalid. Oh, oh, completely. Yeah, completely invalid. And that was so powerful and moving for me. And of course we had Kirstie Ennis as well, who joined me on my interview show, the fishbowl and she, you know, she had me in tears at the top. First female above the knee amputee to summit Kelly. We've had a bunch of amputees summit. We obviously had Ivan who was just blew me away. It's a great program. I guess I'll ask you this then. Let's play a little game. Killy or Killy one time. And this is a week. This it's cold outside. I don't think people understand. It is Africa, but it gets cold as hell. It snows yeah. at 15,000 feet. It sleets. You go almost 24 hours straight on summit night. Would you rather do Killy or get in the ring with Mike Tyson for one minute? <laughs> I would definitely do Killy again. Oh, I would get in with Tyson. I know I just I would be tasting spinal fluid like relatively quickly. <laughs> but but for one minute, it's over quick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a surprise. No, okay, Killy. I Ki- love I love Killy. You can sign me up for that experience all the time. Okay. Like, when I got back, I was I was looking at the map and I was like, okay, what's next? What mountain can we do next? I enjoyed it. So maybe the whole game is, you know, for me that's kind of fucked up because this, you know, this game I, I'm take I'm I'm definitely taking a a right cross from Mike Tyson over getting on that. But I've also done it four or five times. So for me it's it, it's almost harder because like every time I go, yeah. it's like I always use the analogy: if you know you're getting smacked in the face, it's going to hurt more than if that's you right. just get surprised. So, uh, what about a week of of new CBA training camp or a week of killing? <laughs> oh God, that would be painful. I mean, a new CBA training camp? New CBA is easy now. Oh, I thought you were talking about learning about a new CBA. No, no, like, I'm oh talking God, about don't, taking don't the field in, for any class in shells and shorts and then one padded day and, you know, we're out of the building oh, by 830. You take the new all, CBA. All, all day with training camp. Okay. Yeah, as far as, far as hurt-wise, yeah, yeah. New, new CBA all day. So how about, um, so you're, you're out on Tyson, you're in on the new CBA. You also, yeah, I've had enough hits to the head. I don't need any more. You don't those. need them anymore. Um, no. and, and by the way, who's skinnier? Did we settle this? Let's say our weight at the same time. We, we didn't want to say it off air, okay? Okay, here On we three, go. we'll say our weight. One, two, three, 254. 234. Oh, shit. Yeah, you God, are. You're still a, you're a Hulk, man. Look 250. At you, that's, but you keep it tight. I'm, I'm trying to keep it tight. I'm trying to be like you. you I'm on your Instagram. It's a different vegan meal every day. You're shaming me. I'm in, I'm, here no, with my, no. I'm out here so, with my wheat bread and almond butter, <laughs> thinking I'm doing something. You're eating like a papaya in the morning for breakfast. Uh, so you know, I go through these weird phases. So I went through like a. I just like to experiment and see what happens with my body. So I did like a three <laughs> to four month vegan thing. Why not? Right? Why not? Why not? So I did a. I did a three to four month vegan stint, and at a, at the end of it, I was like, Yeah, I don't really like how my body looks. So now I'm in like this weird bodybuilding. Phase oh yeah, to you, to, you get try the, to get jacked again. You get the soft dad bod pretty quick upon retirement. It's yeah. hard. 
But you yeah, also maybe it. maybe that makes you more aerodynamic. And I know this week you did something really special. You skydived. Oh my god, it was awesome. So our buddy Nate Boyer calls yep. a couple of weeks ago and he goes, Hey, what are you doing on November second? And of course I'm like, nothing. What's what's going on, man? Wanna grab some <laughs> yeah, coffee or something? And, yeah. A green beret calls and asks what you're doing. It's like, you should suspect something. He goes, want to jump out of a plane? Of course, I can't say no because I already told him I'm not doing anything. Right. That's why so, when he texted me, I was like, I'm not sure. Let me check the calendar, but what's up? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what you want to see. I got to get smarter and savvy like you. <laughs> but I, I tell you, I ended up showing up as for Operation Jump 22. And for the 22 veterans who are committing suicide on average a day, raise awareness about that. Proceeds went to MVP, which was awesome. They raised $35,000 that day alone. 80 veterans got a jump. It was spectacular. Randy Couture was out there. Uh, Instagram, uh, Marine Corps Green or Marine Corps Force Recon dude, Rudy Reyes was out there. He's worth a follow. Yeah. Super nice guy. So we're all out there and like immediately just signed the waivers. Two minutes later, they call my name. They're putting me in a harness, like super loose. Two minutes after that, I'm on a plane with a guy named Cruza Cru on my back. <laughs> like they're walking me on the tarmac. I'm getting into this airplane and I got Cruza and I had had zero instructions, like no pamphlet, no video. Ooh, that's going to like, be, that's going to be a, like, a no for oh, me, dog. They're, they're like, get on the plane. And, the, and I was like, dude, this thing's really loose. And I'm sitting between this other man's legs. And we've got the, <laughs> we've got the garage door right next to us. I was the last one on the plane. So, of course, I'm the first one out. And as we're going up, he's kind of talking me through the steps and everything. 13,000 feet, door opens up. No. Swing the legs. No foreplay. Oh, no foreplay. No, none. All he did, he goes, hey, when we get up there now, he goes, I'm going to have you lay your head back on my shoulder. And so I laid my head back on his shoulder and then he rocked me. And he said he was going to rock me three times. And on three, we were going to go out on two. We were out of the plane. Yeah. They the say sky. you don't do three. That's the, if you'd YouTube this shit, you should have YouTube that you'd know you're going on <laughs> two, not on three. It's like being an alignment. You're always going early. So there you have that's it. I'll go with it. you next time. It was, I, I tell you, I wasn't nervous at all. And it was a wonderful experience. What's once, was, once you're out of the plane, no fear? None. It was just so amazing. I mean, even the free fall, we got a minute of free fall in this thing. It was so rad. It didn't feel like a roller coaster drop or if you bungee jumped or anything. It didn't feel like that. It, it felt like strangely safe. Safe. So he made you, he big spooned you and made you feel safe. That's great. He leaned oh, your head back on his shoulder. It's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even nibble on my neck or anything. <laughs> Nick, my man, I'm going to come visit you, bro. I appreciate you. Um, go, Chargers, go. Uh, <laughs> I love it, dude. All right. All right, Chris. Hey, thanks, buddy. Keep up your work. Okay, bro. See you soon. All right. Bye-bye. And now go, Chargers, go. That was Nick Hardwick, and this is the biggest news in the NFL, obviously, this week. Uh, Cam Newton was put on IR. Um, the past couple years, he has taken a beating. Two shoulder surgeries, followed by a foot sprain last year, and then, of course, the Liz Frank that he suffered, uh, which is a really tricky injury on your foot as a player. Never had it, but no guys struggle with it. The team opted not to put him under the knife and have surgery 
which was a questionable decision. We can get to that in a bit. But the regression with Cam coincides with the health issues. And since the Super Bowl against the Broncos, he is 30th in the NFL in QBR. And he's lost eight straight starts. His QBR is kind of on, on par with the Rosens and the Tannehills of the world in that span. Now, you take that eight-game span with a grain of salt, but the entire body of work the past three, four years has not been great. Um, before 18, he only missed three games. He was a warrior. Um, he still is. Uh, he's doing the best he can. He's beat up. But when the bottom falls out, it falls out quick. And he's had mileage, 1,200 hits. That's by far the most in the NFL since he's been in the NFL in 2011. I actually hit him once. Well, the last time I hit him, he actually bruised my ribs. I landed on top of him and he bruised my ribs. Mm. That's how big this cat is. Um, that hurt for weeks. And I didn't even get the sack. Somehow got rid of the ball. Um, 929 carries. That's 284 carries more than the next nearest quarterback. We've talked about load management all week. That's not load management. Uh, Russ is the second most active ball carrier at the quarterback position. And the important part is Cam has the 13th most carries among all players in the NFL since he's been in the league. And there's a continuity factor there. Of course, he's been in the league more uh, than most, but there's running backs that have been in the league as long as him. Uh, he's 31. He's had a running, a running back workload with a tight end body. And now their GM, Herney, who stood on the table for him in 2011 and made a case for him over Blaine Gabbert, boy, that turned out to be the right call, has to do what he's vowed he would do all along. He has to make a decision that's void of emotion. And next year, the cap hit on Cam Newton is $21 million. They could get rid of 19 by trading him or cutting him. And I think it's the right move. I think it is the right move for Cam. It's the fair move for Cam. It's the fair move for the organization to move on. I know that this was a really hot take weeks ago. Uh, a healthy Cam. I don't think you make a case for subbing in Kyle Allen with this sample size of work, but he's falling apart a little bit physically. So the question is, can the Panthers do the right thing in this process the entire time? for somebody that's given their body and a lot of good memories to this city and somebody who's very charitable, somebody who's active in that community, he's synonymous with the Panthers. Can they do the right thing and how they place him and how they do this? And can Cam manage his ego, which is a natural thing to have as a football player? Like, he's an MVP years ago. Is he going to get out in the market and be realistic about his value? And that's not shade. That's the question. If you look at the possible destinations, you got Miami, Denver, Tennessee, Cincy, and Chicago. That's an order of cap space. Miami has like 111 million next year. Denver is the next most, obviously followed by Tennessee. Cincy and Chicago, not as much. The Dolphins have hit the reset button. This is the exact type of signing that they vowed they're not into anymore when Stephen Ross said we're, we're essentially not, we're not pooling high-priced talent. We're gonna build from the ground up. It's not gonna be Miami. I don't think Denver would be a good, a good spot for him, but I, I wonder about how they would work the offense around him. I don't know that John Elway is going to be on board there. The only way I could see that happening is if somebody twists John's arm 
and says, hey, what you've been doing is not working. We need a quick fix here. We got a good defense. We got more pieces than you think. We've got Lindsey. We're a QB away. I still don't think it's likely. I don't think Cincinnati does it. I think the two most likely destinations for him are Tennessee and Chicago. I think Chicago, there's an asterisk here, and it depends on how Ron Rivera and the Panthers and the GM think. Are they afraid of Cam? Are they afraid of seeing him in the playoffs? Do you trade him in conference? If they are, you don't trade him to the Bears, even though I think in a perfect world, he could change that whole thing around. I think he has a year or two of good health left, if we're lucky. That's a team that's ready to win now, quarterback issues. Tennessee would be a really good landing spot for him as well. I think he fit in there. They're a physical football team. He would fit the, the MO of that team. So if you trade him, that's the third winter QB trade that would happen in the last three years. I think that's when it happens. Of course, you had Alex Smith, you had Flacco. And again, you're talking about an MVP. It's rare, but not unheard of that an MVP has been traded from his team that he won that award on. McNair did it three years removed. He was traded from Tennessee to Baltimore. A lot of people don't even remember that. I certainly didn't at first glance. There was the Brett Favre thing. Of course, that's 11 years removed where he got shipped to the Jets. And then Joe Montana. Obviously, the Kansas City chapter. Infamously forgettable, um, if that's possible. Is that ironic, oxymoron? Tell you later. Okay. That's uh, going in the corrections. Um, I think I would make a case that out of all those MVPs that got shipped and the last two trades, the Alex Smith and the Joe Flacco that we saw with quarterbacks in the middle of the offseason, this would be the best value if he's healthy for a team. If he's healthy, and of course they've opted, I think last I heard, not to do surgery on that Liz Frank, um, he could totally transform that Chicago team. He could get Tennessee rolling. But here's the thing. If you're Carolina, you have a generational talent at running back. There are very few running backs that you build a team around. That's just the way it is now with the devaluation of that position. But CMC is one. And since Cam left, they've been under center three times as much. When they're out of shotgun, 4.9 yards of play, that's the fifth worst in the league. Under center, 6.2 a play, that's second best in the league. CMC has two times the rush average under center per play. So you build around him. Like It's clear that he has helped by taking under center runs and handoffs, and he's not as good in shotgun. He's the future, you build around him. Kyle Allen, He's got the one loss. He rebounded well. I was impressed with the way he rebounded from that bad, bad uh, game against San Francisco, which I'm really not going to hold against him. Uh, you talk to players on that team or have played with him. They love his arm. They love his willingness to fit the ball in tight windows. He's confident. But is he a guy? I don't know. Not only just one loss, five and one, and scoring 30 or more in four of those five. Yeah, just want to see more. You know, you're, you're waiting for that regression. We saw it with a lot of lot of the rookie quarterbacks, you know, Danny Dimes comes out a little bit hot. Uh, Minshew takes the internet by storm. Verified accounts on the internet, they love Minshew. Wouldn't you just take a shot at a quarterback somewhere in rounds four through seven? Every, every year. year. Every year I would. Yep. Now the problem is Kyle Allen has played them into a position where they're not going to have a high pick. He's done a really nice job. Yeah. And I was wrong about the Panthers this year. I thought they would be under in the win total. 
but I had no idea that I was right about Cam's health and wrong about who they had waiting in the wings. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's the Cam thing this week. And by the way, you can question a lot of thing about, things about Cam. You can't question how hard he plays, the passion, the dedication, what he's brought to that, um, that city and that organization. I, I grew up a Panthers fan. Um, I'm certainly not now, but you know that, that franchise had a really great run there for about a decade. And um, he brought them to heights they hadn't been in in a while. And, uh, and I think they're going to miss him in the community when he's gone, and I think they'll miss him on the field. So hope he gets well. Did you ever question Team Docs in your career? All the time. All the time. You have to understand, Team Doctors work for the organization. They work for the organization, and trainers work for the organization. And at the end of the day, their job is to get people out on the field as soon as possible. And the thing about Team Docs is they're structural specialists, but they're not functional specialists. So. A doctor can tell you, like I had foot surgeries and Bob Anderson who, who evaluated, he was the third opinion, which by the way, the word is, there was some contention with that whole process, which is par for the course now in the NFL. Um, Bob Anderson looks at my foot, says, yeah, it's safe. It's safe, it's structurally safe, but can I go play football? And he's not a team doc. Now the team doc's gonna tell you it's safe like ASAP. He's gonna read on Google, that like, hey, WebMD, <laughs> WebMD says, if you blow up your ankle, it's gonna take four to six weeks to heal. That's for, you know, somebody bagging groceries at Whole Foods. Like, not, that's not an athletic job. I do respect the people bagging groceries. In fact, I, I actually try Probably out. on their feet more than you are. Probably actually. on my feet more than, more than I am. So, but to brace on a 300 pound lineman, uh, to cut at full speed, yeah, dude. Not always a situation where I. That's why you always get second opinions when you're an NFL player. Yeah, it's just a rule, and the veterans tell you that. Mitch Trubisky this week is in the news. He is perpetually in the news right now, but this is the first time I think it's been really unfair. Um, we've got the quote here. Yeah, I've done pretty good with that. Um, trying to get some of these TVs in the building turned off because you got too many people talking on TV about us and uh, what they think about us, what we should do, what we are and what we're not, but they don't really know who we are or what we're capable of people or what we're going through or what we're thinking. Um, it's just the outside viewers uh, looking in. And uh, so yeah, tunnel vision, earmuffs, and just come to work every day and try to get better and get back to what we know we're capable of doing. Right before that, I'm reading, he says, I've done pretty good with that. So I'm assuming the question is, how are you blocking out the noise? Bingo. So here's what we do. And I don't say we, because I don't think of myself as, as traditional media. And I'm glad he's not watching the show because we haven't always been complimentary of his play. Not that I ever assumed anybody's watching the show. But I think it's totally fair. We, we flip-flop on this all the time. If a player gets mad at his mentions or something a reporter says, you know, the first thing the media says is, you're a professional, block out the noise. Doesn't matter what we say. Mitch Trubisky says it. He says exactly that when he's prompted. It's not like he voluntarily held a press conference. It was like, hey guys, come here so I can tell you about how I'm turning TVs off. You ask him a question and then you tear him down. And I'm not saying it's one orchestration this act is not like 
journalist A is going to act on the front end and the back end, although I'm sure that happens. But you got people at ESPN, who I respect, and Damian Woody, and, and a ton of verified accounts who I've seen, that said that's soft. And to them, I'd ask if this was, you know, another prominent quarterback who's way more popular, who's not a punching bag right now, would you call him soft? All he's saying is, he's tuning out the noise. Isn't that what you want? Yeah, this is the case of a guy who's quarterbacking a 3-5 and five team that had Super Bowl hopes. He's never going to get out of the same draft as Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. It's tough. It's tough. I think he's probably a lot mentally tougher than a lot of people on TV For sure. talking about him because they've never had to deal with this. Yeah. Like, never. I couldn't even imagine. I was a high draft pick. You know, first year and a half was rough for me. Bad team. Hard to rush. Um, no leads. And you read things. You Google, you Google your name and the autocorrect goes bust for like a year there. It was like, you know, you got four or five sacks or whatever. They're expecting, imagine being a quarterback in the draft where they had Patrick Mahomes, as you pointed out, um, and Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson. Two MVP candidates every year. And, and, and you're the poster child for why do we do that? You're not, it's not Jordan and Sam, but it's not good. I get Chris Long, Spacebar, podcast, wife, foundation, net worth, Twitter, UVA, Instagram, Waterboys. Nice. Yeah, not bad. That's what balling out for a few years will do for you. No bust. No bust. But the point here is I feel like we do this too often. We do it on Twitter. We do it in the media. We pick soft targets. They can't punch back. You know Trubisky's not going to say anything. You call him soft. I'm not a big fan of that word. Listen, he's played really poorly. I don't think he's the answer there. But he's probably a really good dude who's working as hard as he can to try to do one of the hardest things on the planet in a situation which, by the way, his coach is not helping him a lot. And we can get to that next week. I need to get to something this week. Yeah? When looking for the Trubisky video last night, I came across a Matt Nagy video. My biggest pet peeve is when you do not know how you want your name pronounced. Right or wrong, I don't care. Just tell me how you want your name said. You don't have a lot of history with this because your yeah, name my, has two syllables. Monosyllabic. You're basically John Smith. But he's on video being asked how Ir to pronounce John Smith. his last name, and he says he doesn't care. Fucking weird. He won't commit to an answer. Can't commit to the run game if you can't commit. To says it can be Nagy, Nagy, or Neggy. And his play sheet, it says on there, BU. He doesn't even know who he is. Man, listen, I, I like the guy. How do you say his last name? Nagy. Okay. And I'm going to be a little naggy here when I nice. say that he has done zero to build around Mitch Trubisky this year, schematically getting him on the run, moving the pocket, taking advantage of his athleticism. He's not that guy. Build around him if you're committed to him. Look what they did for Lamar in Baltimore, and I am not insinuating that he's anything close to Lamar, but he's what you got. Unless you're planning on making a move, which you should be by now, build around the guy. Give the kid a chance. And turning off the TV ain't soft. Don't be mad because he doesn't want to hear what you have to say about him. Cosign. He can, he can downrate this podcast. It's Okay, we, we've only got one thumbs down, and the nice lady who gave us the thumbs down tweeted at me and said she didn't know how to rate the podcast correctly. She apologizes. 
There's no undoing that that one star rating you gave us. But it was very nice of you for pointing that out. She said she thought she had to click every star sequentially to get the five stars. Believable. Really? Yeah. Okay. So that was that was too was too much serious for me. I need Stanford Steve. Let's check on our boy. Let's make some money. Do it. Okay. Hey, I'm Coach O. I just love my Hummer. I believe the Hummer is the best vehicle on the road. Big, tough, aggressive, and it represents everything that we want at Ole Miss. I have my Hummer. You need a Hummer. Tell them about it, JoJo. The folks at Roger Dad's Hummer are first-team players. Come see them. Love it. <laughs> uh, Coach O, and we've got Stanford Steve here, as always, on Fridays. Um, first off, where are you on Hummers? Uh, I don't even think I've ever been in one. I'm I'm never even close to that to that level, bud. So uh, that's another maybe another guest you can get on to talk about. Maybe Rosillo. Rosillo is. Oh, he Hummer would be guy. a big H three guy. Yeah, big H three yeah. guy. Uh, actually, they gave me a free Hummer after the draft. It was like some promotional thing where they were giving high draft picks Hummers, and <laughs> and they gave they gave me a really sweet Hummer. And then uh-huh. I, I drove it, and I fucking hated it. Uh-huh. Uh, and right. I also got a lot of looks. Uh, being a meathead driving around in a Hummer is not a good look. Um, Did you give it back? I, gave, I sold it. Huh. Yeah, turned a profit. I don't know if that's okay. We'll follow up on that, and we might edit, edit that out. But I made a profit, and um, it is supporting my habit now. Uh, do you have a Coach O story, Steve? Uh <laughs> I mean, who doesn't have one? Uh, I just want to, next week, I'm pumped. I'm going to the Ole Miss game. They're hosting LSU next week. And I'm, as soon as I get to Oxford, I'm going to the Exxon or Chevron, whatever it is, in Oxford, where he did a whole thing a couple years ago about how much it's his favorite meal in the, in the world. It's chicken on a stick at the Chevron in Oxford that he used to go to every Friday when he was the head coach at Ole Miss. Uh, if you look it up online, it's a great story. Phyllis. The lady that makes the chicken still works there. She still says Phyllis. she loves Coach O. So, Phyllis, you're going to get a taste of me next Friday when, I'm, when I go to Oxford. <laughs> oh, man, that's great. I, I want to I do a, a moral flex here. Uh, I was actually offered a two-way PJ trip down to Tuscaloosa this week, Saturday, Saturday night, same day, sideline passes to the game. I want to I wanna, – Put it on record that I love my family so much that I opted out of that. And my wife, who's here watching, Meg, shout who's here watching, shout out to Meg, is watching this segment. Very supportive. I'm a family man. But all right, so you already have something up your sleeve in the future to turn this trip down. No, I'm not. I'm not. Meg's, Meg's <laughs> Why are you looking over at her? Steve Why are you asked, looking at her? Meg, I know you can't hear, but Steve asked me if I, I turned that <laughs> trip down because I have another one in mind. I, I, I haven't had time to think like that. Okay. Uh, it's a constant goodwill ebb and flow. Goodwill ebb and, pl- ebb and flow. Yeah, well said. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I want you to know, college fun this week. Things are going pretty good. I'm wearing all black today because it's a funeral for Vegas. I have turned the corner. Uh, oh. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not the punching bag anymore. I'm, I'm, punching, I'm punching up. And, nice. And uh, Idaho State last night, little college hoops. Watch oh, the- that was a sw- swimmer pick. I know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're doing. Shout dude. out to Jambos. Uh, it was it was <laughs> it was advertised as a monster pick, and I should have I should have laid money on the money line. So, can either of you name the mascot for Idaho State? Looks like a tiger on my score app. 
Oh, um, ah, I saw it too. It looks like the Princeton Tiger, but I don't think it's the Tigers. Tariq Cool scored 41 last night for the Idaho State Bengals. 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 I knew it. Darn it. Oh, man. You, you, you think you know something. Uh, Princeton real, Tiger should have said Bengal. Real quick, uh, Bama LSU prediction from you. Oh, man, it's it's. I can't wait to watch this game. Obviously, all of us can't wait. We've been waiting for it all year, Chris. But I just feel like when I look at this, when I've watched the tape of the games prior, I feel one the public is all over LSU. That scares the crap out of me. I'm definitely rooting for Coach O and LSU. But what I can't get out of my mind is how Nick Saban, no matter what LSU team it was, when when OBJ was there with Mettenberger and they actually could throw the ball or the Fournette teams that were really run heavy. Saban has just made them in, invisible in the run game. They right. take away the run game and they made them one dimensional. And if they, and I just see that again, they're at home. I could see them be, you know, Joe Burrow's great, but if Joe Burrow's got to throw every single play, Alabama can game plan towards that. And on the other side, I think Alabama's got the horses up front to uh, to keep the ball and run the ball and keep Burrow off the field because I think L this isn't a typical LSU D line man they're really light in the ass right and I think L I think Alabama could push them around a little bit so I think Saban's going to keep the ball away from them I would lean the under if I had to pick in this game and Meg doesn't like the under she just walked out see you Meg uh, uh two sorry, Meg. two nuts so Bama LSU stats. Yeah. Shout out yeah. Felica. Shout out Felica here. The bear. Yes, Un sir. Under Saban, Alabama has been less than a seven-point favorite just four times. Wow. Tide has lost three of the games outright and pushed the other. As you chug Diet Coke. Uh, yeah. It's not bad for you. I, I better not be. I'm still here. That's, That's all I drink. For the people listening on uh, Apple Music and, and your other devices. Um, yeah. That's a large Diet Coke he has. That's like, what, a 30? Two liter. Two liters. You going to go through yes, that sir. in the day? Uh, well, it's only in the morning, Chris. Uh, we've had some uh, instances that uh, caused the morning. I haven't slept yet since the Van Pelt show last night. Uh, we got in-laws, uh, relatives out of town, so I'm bringing kids to school today. Got them all to school as I'm walking out. Got a flat tire. And uh, wow. we were at the old tire store for a little while and uh, went for a walk. Remember that scene in The Wrestler when he snaps as the, in the grocery store and he's just walking by himself? Yeah. That's how I felt because I had sweatpants, I had slippers, barely a coat, and I was walking over to the convenience store, and I looked, and there was the Diet Coke, and there was the OV40. And I said, I got to do Chris's show today. I'm going to go with the Diet Coke. And I walked over to the diner where I was the only person in and ate a four-egg omelet. You're, ba so, you're basically Mickey Rourke. The only thing we'd have to do is yeah. throw you into a pile of broken glass, and uh, and we would Correct. complete the. But you were at a crossroads, and 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 that was the right move. Oe, this early in the morning, in your 40s, yeah. I presume. I've never actually yes, googled your age. Um, that would be what. That's that's a, a bad way to start your Friday. Yeah. Um, and the kids aren't out of town. The wife's not out of town. If, if Meg leaves town, the kids leave town. I can sneak a 40-ouncer in, but that would have been rough. Let's start with Got the it. college football slate. Uh, undefeated last week. You were. Were, were you yeah. undefeated? Were you 0-3 in the NFL slate? Yes, I was. Okay, so we were both 3-3. Three and three. <laughs> we, were both, we were both 3 and 3-3. Three. That makes me feel good. Um, yeah. What's your most confident college football pick this weekend? 
Uh, I'm going to go with Baylor. Uh, Baylor's on the road um, at TCU. TCU's quarterback situation is a mess. They lost their two top quarterbacks in the last couple series against Oklahoma State last week. Their other two guys transferred. Uh, so th- this they could come out and possibly have a fourth or fifth string guy starting uh, for TCU at quarterback. Baylor played their worst game of the year last week on a Thursday night against West Virginia. Uh, I really like Rule. I really thought the Jets should have hired him in the offseason. I trust him. Uh, they're playing the no respect card. They're undefeated. I just think they're better in every facet than TCU. So I will lay the short number with Baylor on the road and take them. What do we think about Baylor's uniforms make? Bad. Really bad. And I think that's why they get disrespected so poorly. You know, like they don't have enough of the gold in there. They go green or they go black. You gotta have that gold in there. It's a perfect trim color. Yeah. The only guy that ever looked good in that uniform was uh Oakman or whatever his name was, the defensive oh, lineman that man. looked like an avatar. I mean, he was the yeah. most jacked individual <laughs> I've ever seen. Uh my most confident pick would be the Bama LSU under uh at sixty three. Oh okay. Your thoughts. Why? Well, I mean, traditionally it goes under from what I'm hearing. That's what the insiders are saying. Yeah, uh, I really like the first half under. It's been an average, I think, since Saban's been at Bama. The first half score has been 9-5. to five. Uh, So I, I, I really like that first half under, too. Well, that bodes but I don't want to give first half people picks here because I'm not sure what your clientele is yet if they have access to accounts yeah. that have first half and first quarter lines. So I'm trying to give full games there to, well, to help you out. Yeah, we don't discriminate, but it's good you threw that nugget in. Uh, how about your okay. second most confident? Second most confident pick, Louisville. Trap game for Miami. Love this. We almost picked it. Yep. Didn't want to cut you. Wait, wait, we. We didn't want a conglomerate we, going on. We didn't want to beat. I got to beat you and Jambos for this contest. No, what not Jambos. Uh, me, me and the be. Uh, what is that? A beaver or a raccoon? Me and the raccoon back here. That's who I talk to about my oh, bets. I don't talk okay. to anybody else. All right. Um, Louisville loves Scott Satterfield. The hire they made in the off season. Uh, it just shows how much the coaching staff quit on those players at Louisville last year to see how good Louisville has been. Um, Miami, uh, in the last, in the last six years, the week after they played Florida state, they're one in five against the spread. So I, I just think it's a, a typical letdown spot here for Miami a little bit. No, one's going to be at the game. You know how it is down in South beach and, um, you know, Louisville has the goods to score on them. I know Miami's got a good defense. I mean, Miami could still win the game, but I'll take the points here with Louisville. It's six and a half, maybe even seven by kickoff. So, uh, I just like the spot here for Louisville a lot. I do too. Uh, I think it's a great pick as, as much as it pains me to say. Uh, okay. My second favorite pick will be Penn State giving six and a half. Um, I know you don't love that by your reaction, but I will say this. I was given the pep talk by somebody about, and not related to this bet, uh, how fraudulent usually the hot team is from that side of the Big Ten. Uh, you know, whether it's Iowa or Wisconsin, um, Minnesota is that team this year. It's just their year that they got, as much as I like the coach, I think they got a little bit overvalued uh, coming into this game. And I like Penn State. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, I just feel like the, the public's on Penn State. It feels like it's too easy. People look at giving less than a touchdown is not a lot. I think it's a lot in it this is, spot. Yeah where I don't think, you know, the offenses are going to dominate. The things that worry me here is that the wide receiver talent in this game is really, really good, like NFL good. 
And I heard a lot of people talking about the under. There's a lot of big play capability with those with those two groups when they're on the field. So I expect an awesome game, sellout crowd, noon game. It's just going to be awesome. Cold weather. Uh, I, I my our Minnesota has to win the first half to win that game. So that's a big first half. I, I just worry if Penn State. I know they've they've had a great stretch here with Iowa, Michigan, Michigan State. But um, it's, it's a different atmosphere coming out here. And you know P.J. Flex is going to come out of that tunnel running like a maniac with the boat. Oh, so, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And with a, yeah. a little bit more in his pocket. Um, also, I mean, it's been a good week, right? Yeah. Didn't, he get extent, didn't he get the extends treatment this week? Yeah. He sure did. Because talk of Fleck to Tallahassee. Fleck to, mm. Fleck to Tally. Uh, yeah, they need somebody in Tally. It's not Deion Sanders. I read that this morning. Uh, oh. I, not a diss, no shade, but I don't think, you know, uh, Sanders is going to high step into that stadium and just fix the, the the train wreck that is FSU right now, who won a national championship less than five years ago. It's insane to me. And that was our signature win so far this year, uh, the Who's. Um, we're not going to go down that road. Hey, was that our signature win? We rushed the field. Pitt. That, Carolina. The Carolina game was a good win. That was a yeah. good win. But the way we rushed the field, you would have thought it was our signature win. Okay. Yeah, you're Another not day. liking this. Another day. Another day. <laughs> your, your third favorite pick. Speaking of Tallahassee, my third pick is Kentucky. Mark Stoops has to win this game. If he wants that Florida State job, the first thing he has to do is come out of a week where a bye week, all the distractions, all his name in these rumors to get the Florida State job. He was the defensive coordinator under Jimbo back, you know, back before he took this Kentucky job. I just think Kentucky has a, has a badass defense. They got a hungry-ass fan base that puts Tennessee up on a pedestal. They play that big brother, little brother mentality. Tennessee, nice story, really nice of them nice. to get off the deck after, after a, a couple, you know, horrific losses to start the year. But I just feel like Kentucky has the goods to strangle them on defense. It's not going to be a pretty game. It's going to be like 1916 here. So uh, I, I like Kentucky here with a hunger factor, and uh, it's a pick 'em. So I'll, I'll take the home team here. The home crowd, it'll, it'll be a really good atmosphere in a tough, tough spot for Tennessee here. You might have talked me into the under. We'll see. Uh, I am still chasing K State. Uh, they burnt me oh. uh, in the Kansas game. I am going to try to reverse my fortunes and hitch my wagon, uh, so to speak. No sooner schooner to the Kansas State uh, Wildcats getting seven against Texas. Uh, okay. You don't Fishy like Fishy line. You hate it. Fishy line. You hate Fishy it. Fishy line. No, I don't hate it. Okay. I love, I love the Kansas State coaching staff. If there's anybody that could get a team through a tough spot like this, uh, it, it's him. But, I mean, I also love Herman on the other side. So, I, it's a really fascinating matchup because it's, it's the old – Ranked team is going to an unranked team, and the unranked team's giving a touchdown. That doesn't happen a lot, and there's a reason why. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's it should little, be a really good game. It's though. a little stinky, but you know I have to balance out my pro football excellence with some bad college picks. So that's all I'm doing. Speaking of pro football, and I'll move fast through this one. Um, Seattle, San Francisco, Monday night. I know yep. this is a very public pick, but I like Seattle. I like them getting six. Um, and I also tend to like the over in that game at 46 and a half. I think those teams are going to score more than you think. I know that's two picks rolled into one. Um, I worry about Seattle's defense, and I worry a little bit about some of the exposure that we saw 
on the San Francisco end defensively last week against Arizona. Pete Carroll's a great coach. He'll have them ready to play. It'll be a tight ball game. I think they score. Yeah, I, I want to see what Seattle's D-line does in that game. Yeah. That's what I'm really interested in. I want to see how that is. Yeah. Uh, I do like that pick, though. I, I mean, I'll take Russell Wilson getting points all the time. Yeah. Uh, this is really quick for me. Uh, I am absolutely horrific with NFL picks, as you know, and I've followed with my record. This is a safe so place. So I'm, I'm going to take three teams, and the, and the motto this week is, why the fuck are these teams giving <laughs> points? Okay? The Browns, the Bears, and the Giants. Give yes. me those three teams. Yes, and in fact, I, I love that. I had the Bears... I have the Bears-Lions over 42. I, I think Stafford's playing the best ball of his career, you could argue. Uh, yep. You know, I think Trubisky could get a little bit well. Again, you know, he turned the TVs off this week, which we talked about. Um, so, you know, you've got, you've got Lions-Bears over. I also, if I had a lean, I'd go Lions. Um, but I will take the over. Okay. All right. So those are our NFL picks. Um, yep. You know, quick, you wanted to check in on a, on a pony. Yoshida, Steve? <laughs> yeah, it's still running. Yeah. It's still running. It's still running. I yep. think, yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, not the fastest horse, but it tried. No, um, no, no. Marathon. Marathon horse is a new thing coming out in the Breeders' Cup Marathon. And I think you We're had to get Yoshida I, going. I think in the spirit of cucking Steve, we had, a, we had another, uh, it was it the... Uh, well, big ups to Steve after the Yoshida pick. The, your Minutemen. Minutemen was a great pick. You were over by halftime. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the Minutemen have Army this week, 61 and a half. You staying away? Are you doing it again? They're, on, they're right here on the list. We only give three here. Uh, I'm, I'm, there's two games this week that I'm really puzzled about, and I couldn't give them out. I like Clemson, and I like the over in the Clemson game. I like the Army, and I like the arm over in the Army game. Mm. But I'm not sure. I don't want to give out all four. I don't want to give out two. So it's really, really driving me crazy this week. Um, but, yes, the, the, the Minutemen over is definitely circled uh, for that game at Mikey Stadium. Uh, I, I don't see how UMass, after getting spread all over the place and giving up 500 yards of offense to Liberty in one half last week, how they're going to just tighten it up and, and play good gap responsibilities against Army's option offense. I don't see that being a good mix. It's just a matter of how long the Army scores take. I also wanted to brag about my, uh, my over in the Tennessee-Carolina uh, game last week. A lot of people mm -hmm. called me crazy. That hit. And I'm kind of doing this thing now where I don't bet all my picks, and that was one of them that I didn't bet in actuality. That hurts, huh? Got to trust yourself. Yeah. Gotta keep your foot on the gas. Don't, don't, don't. Come on. Playing with keep play. the head. Keep the headphones on until one p.m. All yes. right. Don't, yes. Don't block out all the noise. I am so tired of getting talked into and out of shit by people who are supposed to be insiders. I'm just driving this fucking boat now. I'm the captain. That's now. what yeah. I'm talking Steve, about. Steve, I'll give yeah. you one more. He didn't take my stone cold Steve Austin, unbeaten this year. Pack twelve. Lock size. of the week. Ducks, Trojans, wasn't close. Oh. This week, it's the Stanford Cardinal going on the road and covering three points in Boulder. Don't you shake your head. Altitude, bro. Altitude. Hey, I'm your altitude specialist. Stanford. Chris told me, Chris told me altitude. It's We're, a real thing. They're playing in Boulder? In Boulder. Yeah. A lot of hippies, a yeah, lot of contact high mixed with the altitude. Yep. 
The heart starts pumping. A lot of buffs who have given up on the season. Stanford yeah. Cardinal hammer it. Okay. Okay. Road well, dog. Road favorite. Steve, we're still looking for the uh, for 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 the penalty for losing this season long. Yeah. Uh, so what? I got Van Pelt. I got Van Pelt's mind churning last night. So okay, I'm good. Gonna see, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give him till Sunday to see what he has. We'll check the think tank at the end of the weekend, and we will yes. see you next week, Steve. We are in a tight race. Stay on your toes, buddy. I am picking up a little bit of momentum here. Thanks. Big shout out to the Idaho State basketball team. We'll see you next week, Steve. All right, brother. All right, thank thank you. you. So this week, uh, I didn't see a lot of shit. Some weeks you don't see any shit. Tunnel vision. Tunnel vision. I've been in my best workflow. Uh, obviously, my week has culminated here with this, this lovely pod. Thank you for joining me again, Macon. Uh, Talking about gyms, public gyms, which I know you frequent. I do. Can't you tell? I can tell. For the listeners out there, Macon is a... 6'4", 175. <laughs> I was thinking of some way to... 175, eh? Yeah. So I went to the gym this week. I put my clothes on. I drove four blocks to the gym. Could have walked. Because of social anxiety. Get to the gym, pull into the parking lot. People are parking on grass hills to get to the gym. It's 9.45. I know I could ask myself the same question, but do you work? Do you work? The parking lot's full, and I turn around because I am so deathly afraid of interaction at the gym. And I think a lot of people identified with that. What's up guys, welcome to the video today. Today we're talking about gym anxiety or social anxiety within the context of the gym. I think for some people it's just, you know, a different kind of social inter uh, interaction fear or my thing is I just don't want to talk at the gym. Is that, is that bad? No. And you're a little different than most. Maybe so. Um, not a big fan of when people tap you on the shoulders and you have earbuds in. When I have earbuds in, that means like... That was mine. Nobody's home. That's Halloween. That's Khalil Mack on Halloween. Yeah. Nobody's home. Taking the earbud, AirPod out proactively, that's the okay. Open the conversation. If they're in, you can't approach. Mm -hmm. You make eye contact, the takeout, then you may speak. Another thing for me is... Am I internalizing this or is this real? I feel like when I walk into a gym in a cutoff t-shirt, everybody's looking at me like, look at this douchebag. Yes. Why do all these Ben Folds 5 looking ass, trail runner looking dudes, you know exactly what they look like. Why do they get to wear cutoff t-shirts and nobody cares? No, they don't either. Yes, they do, bro. No. Okay. That's a universal response, I think. You wear sleeves to the gym. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I usually do because I'm deathly afraid of people, me walking out of the gym and people being like, What does your boy Rasilla wear to the gym? Probably cutoffs. Yeah. He works on his arms a lot. Does he? He works on his arms a lot. Um, also, when people come up and joke that I'm checking my phone too much, get to work, mm. I'm like, I do fitness for a living. You get to work. Yeah. Also, I'm on my phone so you don't talk to me. It's a, it's a crutch. I'm not antisocial, you know me. 
Very social. Very kind. Have I ever, in fact, your pet peeve, I think, is that I talk to people too long. No, that's not a pet peeve. At the bar? Yeah, then I'd go back to the phone, actually, if we're at the bar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then if I have the phone, everybody's like, hey, this asshole doesn't even want to engage with the, his group of friends. He's on the phone. It's right. a defense mechanism. Right. Um, also, CrossFit intimidates me. Yeah. Where are you on CrossFit? Um, you don't know this, despite how close we are. I have a torn biceps tendon right now. Really? Yeah, so everything intimidates me. No shit. CrossFit especially. Didn't know that. Macon's on the DL 15 day. Uh, also this week, I saw, and by the way, the, the cat that introed this, this segment, if you didn't see, I mean, like, we get it, dude. You got abs. There was no need for you to have your shirt off recording that video. Like That's right. 10, 12 abs, bro. Like, we get it. Um, we, we get it. You're, you're paleo. Not into the paleo thing either. Are you paleo? What's your diet like? There's always a guy at Whole Foods, and there is a guy at Whole Foods. I was in the, it's really intimidating to go into the section that has like chamomile tea and like lavender extract and uh, bulletproof coffee. You know that aisle. Because you, you don't know what you're doing. You're just spinning around in place, pulling, you know, one bone broth protein off the shelf putting the next one back and there's always like a whole foods jesus i think every whole foods has to have a guy with a man bun shout out kyle guy yeah not a man man bun guy anymore but does like mark Wahlberg's uh performance in the the other guys which last night got me into some hot water on twitter you'd have thought i said i liked candy corn Hey, I was wondering, uh, how long do you think this particular podcast is going to go? This one? Yeah. About an hour 30. Okay. We're working on people's focus. Yeah. Um, but I will say this, Mark Wahlberg ruined the other guys. This is going to have to bleed into next week. I've never seen the film. Okay. Our homework this weekend, watch the movie. And then this week on the chalk front, we have uh, more with George R. R. Martin. We'll show you a little clip here. We showed you one earlier this week. Obviously, George R. R. Martin, dude that is responsible for the stories that birthed the most popular fantasy genre TV show of all time. You know, it's a whole different experience, I think, being a Yankees fan or being a fan of the, the Warrior, Golden State Warriors and New England Patriots, these teams that are in it every year, every year. I, I don't know. I, I've never really had that experience. My teams are not in it every year. But every once in a while they're in it, like yeah. 69 for the for the Jets and the Mets, both in the same year. That was amazing. Tom Seaver on one hand and, and Joe Namath on the other. And, uh, of course, uh, the 86 World Series where the Mets defeated the Red Sox. I was at Game 6. Yeah. Uh, I, I still have my ticket there. So I was sitting in the fourth row on the first bet side when that ball went between Bill Buckner's legs. And, and the Giants' two Super Bowl wins, uh, you know, in recent memory, they were both uh, amazing over the Patriots. And we, we, were, we were huge underdogs in both of those games, which yeah. made the win that much, that much sweeter. I mean, the, the first time in Super Bowl 42, uh, the, the Giants were a wildcard team. They were on the road, at, and the talking heads on television picked against them in every game. They picked, picked the Buccaneers. Yeah, they were playing the Tampa the Bay Buccaneers. Then they picked the Cowboys to beat them in the, in the 
divisional game, and then in the NFC Championship, they yeah. picked the Packers to beat them, Chris and the Sims. Giants kept surprising yeah. them all the way to the win over the Patriots, and it was amazing. Now, what I did learn about George, and first off, I was scared shitless to do this interview because Skype is intimidating because of the delay and all that, and sometimes it's choppy. And this is one of the first interviews we did over the summer. I'm in the midst of writing these Game of Thrones reviews, and this is the Wizard of Oz. The curtain has been pulled back. I don't want to ask stupid questions. We're supposed to stay away from Game of Thrones. There was a five-minute period where Skype wasn't going well. The mm -hmm. audio, he couldn't hear me, and I'm like sitting there, and my blood pressure is through the roof. I'm like, you know, George R. R. Martin agreed to do this interview, and I can't get the Skype right. That was the most intimidating moment of my career period, including two Super Bowls. Um, we got it right. He was very gracious. Awesome interview. We have a drop-in from Larry King on the interview. Um, and George, who talked about his love for two New York teams, reminded me that it is okay to have a side team. Of course, as a Knicks fan, I have a few side teams, uh, the Blazers in the West, and the folks over the bridge, very gracious. We talked about it an episode or two ago, trying to pry me away from the loving arms of the New York Knickerbockers. And they're not doing too bad. I'm a looking and I'm a liking. Okay. Corrections? Yeah, you want to get to that now? Let's get to it. The two R's in George R.R. R. Martin, do you know him? Robert Redford. Raymond and Richard. You said Cleland Farrell earlier. He prefers Cleland Furl these days, and I know how you are about pronunciations. It's Furl. Are people on TV picking up the Furl thing? I, I don't know. I'm right. Yeah, sure. What Cleland wants to be called. Yeah, just like Matt whatever Cleland he doesn't know whatever what he Cleland, wants to be called. As long as the kid knows what he wants to be called, there's hope. You said infamously forgettable, infamously well known for some bad quality or deed, forgettable, easily forgotten. Also corrected myself, so that was a layup for you. Um, also, you said a really stupid word. No, 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 no. I said a good word confidential. I just paired it with the word in. Uh-huh. So I said in confidential when I wanted to say I said in confidentiality when I was looking for in confidence. Another self call. Took a long time to get there right there. So, uh it's good to see that I'm improving and you're getting worse. We'll see you next week on Greenlight. Have a great weekend. Y'all take care. Take care and go who's. <laughs>